sorry. The Lord be with you. What a joy it is for each and every one of us to either enter into the space of worship or to enter into a space of worship at your home. Wherever you find yourself this morning, you find yourself in the right place. And we are so grateful that we have this opportunity to come together to worship our amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are visiting with us for the very first time, especially if you are here in the sanctuary, we do have some really cool gifts for you if you want to grab those on your way out. And if you are worshiping online with us for the first time, we are so grateful that you are here. Each and every one of you is a blessing, and it's a blessing to all of us that we get to worship God this beautiful day. I have a couple quick announcements to share with each and every one of you. Get excited, 12.30 today, our annual meeting. Yes, and I know, I just know each and every one of you are going to be there. It's on Zoom, 12.30, and it really is a privilege when we get to come together as a church body and to have an opportunity to ask questions of the staff, to ask questions of elders and deacons, and to hear about what has been happening in the life of the church. And again, it is very important that you all show up because we need a quorum to vote on this lady's terms of call so that she can come back to work again tomorrow, which would be really great. Also, annual reports are available for anyone who is here worshiping with us this morning. You can grab an annual report off the counter in the office. And if you are worshiping online, we have those available electronically as well. This coming Saturday, the deacons are holding a blood drive in the building, which is wonderful news because the Red Cross is in dire need. So if you are able to give, please sign up. It is by appointment only, and they are going to do an amazing job of making sure that all protocol is followed as far as safety goes with the virus. There are a number of ways to connect during this time of social distancing, all sorts of groups that we have on Facebook, we have Bible studies, we have book studies. Take a look at all of our social media, our websites, and our bulletin to see what is going on in the life of this amazing congregation. So that concludes my announcements, but I do have a, uh, a great joy to share. First of all, we don't know of anybody in the hospital this morning, which is always wonderful news. But we are so excited to announce the birth of Landon James Hughes. He was born on the 22nd, and he is the son of Don and Samantha, the grandson of Ron and Betsy, and the little brother of Roman and Wesley. So we celebrate this day with that family. And our four families of the week, I'm going to need help from my partner because I gave her my prayer. Our four families of the week this week are the Futrell family, the, help me remember, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, the Poe family, the Futrell family, it's on the bottom of my prayer, which is easier to find. The Bryner family, yes, thank you. And the Coinga family, the Bryner, Futrell, Coinga, and Poe families. Those are the four families of the week that we'll be praying for as we pray our way through the congregation. I love the teamwork in this place. And with that, let us worship our amazing God.
our evil, and join me in this morning's call to worship. You will find your responses in your bulletin. If you are worshiping with us online, your responses will be on the screen. Come to Christ, the living bread, who satisfies those who hunger and thirst for what is right. Come, Come to Christ, who gives living water, that you may never thirst again. Come to Christ, that being filled ourselves, we may minister to the hunger and thirst of others. Let us prepare to walk with Jesus through the last days of his earthly ministry.
children because of the love God has for us, yet we sometimes fail to respond to God's love. God's love for us is steadfast and true. It never fails. Therefore, let us say together our prayer of confession. Gracious God, we confess that we spend much of our lives on that which does not satisfy and in our preoccupation with our own pleasures, we forget the soul-satisfying words of Christ, who comes to us and says, I am the bread of life. Baker Jesus, give us the needing strength to remove all our leaven that seeks to rob us of a hunger for your joy. Forgive us. As we walk with you this Lent, make love the main ingredient of our lives and the flavor of our every word and deed. Then send us out with your Holy Spirit to be the bread on the windowsill whose aroma feeds our starving world. Amen. Hear the good news. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory, Glory to God in the highest heavens. Amen. This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves bread. They have nothing to eat. 
give you them to eat. Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? How many loaves have you? Five. Two fishes. Bring them to me. Divide the people into companies of 50 that they might be fed. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you for thy bounties. Amen. In our bulletin this morning, the scripture reading is Luke 9, 10 through 17. Kelly has asked the three of us to include the first nine verses in Luke's chapter 9 as well. Listen closely for the word of the Lord for you this morning. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all about what was going on. And he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others, that Elijah had appeared. And still others, that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, 
I beheaded him. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed them. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd? About five thousand were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to the heavens, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces that were left over. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Well, we wrote the song as the found we're looking for, which um, is a gospel song, pretty much. I mean, we, it doesn't sound much like a gospel song the way we do it, but if you look at the lyric and the basic music, that's exactly what it is. And we, we got a cassette from a friend of ours in Island Records of uh, the gospel choir covering the song. And it sounded like, it sounded totally different, but it sounded really exciting and new. So we traveled down to Harlem visited this church in the middle of Harlem where the choir were uh, going through a rehearsal. And uh, we played with them and got the idea to do a kind of combination arrangement.
us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, as today, like loaves and fishes, you multiply us to feed your people. Amen. Jesus is singing to you this morning. Do you hear his voice? I have climbed highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you. Only to be with you. And we respond, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Jesus, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He is our bread of life. So the question is, what are we hungry for? It's a question that goes beyond what your body needs for food or to quench that midday craving. As we journey with Jesus on this second Sunday in Lent, it's a personal question. And if we allow it to be, it's the kind of question that calls forth other questions to get at the heart of the answer. What activity do you absolutely devour right now? You love it. It's positive. It makes you feel like you're making a difference in the lives of other people. What activity in your life are you doing right now that makes you feel empty? It's one of the most draining things you have going on. What are you waiting to happen in your life? You think about it all the time and you can't wait until the day finally arrives. You may be working and working toward it. What is that thing that you can't wait to happen? What recent accomplishment are you feasting on? Hoping it will give you that long sought after sense of fulfillment, a job well done. And what about the relationships in your life? What about the relationships that lack good nutrition, that bring you pain, influence you in a negative way, may even bring out the worst in you? And which relationships feed your soul? They call out the best in you. They help you grow. And where is Jesus? Are you satisfied with your journey of faith, your relationship with him? Well, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you have come to the right place this morning. I have good news to share with all of us. Jesus is well acquainted with hungry people like us. The Gospel of Luke paints a picture of Jesus who at the height of his earthly ministry had reached a sort of rock star status in much of Palestine. His miracles amazed the masses and his sermons could silence a big crowd and the buzz about Jesus was what he had in his healing touch that fascinated people. He was indeed, or so it seemed, the real deal. All kinds of messiahs running around, but he had the reputation that maybe he is the messiah. So people came. They walked miles 
to get to him, to hear him. So Bono, the front man of the rock band U2 and a professed Christian, gives us something to think about in this song today. And I'd like you to turn to your bulletin where the song, the lyrics are printed out so that you have them in front of you. I really like Bono because he has this way, his writing is poetic and even years and years ago, obviously Bono's quite older now, um, he had this song when he wrote the lyrics in mind to be a gospel song. Now it's interesting to me because I'm still fairly new to Facebook, maybe eight months or so. When I went to look up the song and find different versions of it, that version had almost a thousand um, dislikes. I've never seen you two have a song with so many dislikes. Now, lots, thousands and thousands of likes, but for that video, almost a thousand dislikes. So people clearly really didn't want to know that the song was written to be a gospel song. You know, what I love about his writing is he switches the narrative twice. First, we think the song is about a relationship between a man and a woman, and it's not. We were told that you too wrote this in the style of a hymn, and it's about the relationship that Jesus desires to have with humanity, with you and with me. And second, we wrongly assume that the pronoun I is our part of the song. Look closer. The words belong to Jesus. I have climbed the highest mountain. Where were we last Sunday? Out in the desert with Satan on top of the mountain. I have run through the fields, field, hills, valleys is where he preached and taught only to be with the people. I have run. I have scaled these city walls. Think of the walls of Jericho. Think of Jerusalem, the holy city. And what's our response to all of this intervention? But I still, God, haven't found what I'm looking for. I have kissed honey lips, betrayed by a kiss was Jesus. I have spoke with the tongues of angels. I have held the hand of the devil. I was cold as a stone in that stormy sea where all of the disciples thought I was asleep. And I was warm in the night. Fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the cloud by day as the people went through the wilderness and the fire by night. And we say, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for in you, God. I believe in the kingdom come. You know that this feeding of the 5,000 and the verses before it, when he sends the disciples out for the first time alone, he talks about the kingdom over and over and over. We think it's about feeding people, and it's really about the kingdom that he's preaching. Then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. We are all children of God, no matter the color of our skin. You broke the bonds of sin, 
You loosen the change, the chains of all that separates us from one another, because we do tend to stray, to separate ourselves from God. And here, Jesus, I carried the cross, and I carried the cross for you. You know it. You believe it. And we say, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, there's nothing Jesus won't do for us. Jesus has shown us and will show us that his promise to love us and be with us is true. That is amazing grace. When we were blind and lost, when we couldn't see, Jesus was right there in the midst of our life. When we took that wrong turn, when we wondered why Jesus left us and it was us who left, Jesus continues to be faithful and he's right here, right now. In Luke 9, Jesus and the disciples attempt to hang out on a hilltop to just be together, those disciples he had sent out to go from town to town. And it says that they came back and they were really excited. It's kind of like going on a mission trip and you come back home and you want to tell everybody in your house you're on like the spiritual high. And so that's where they were. And so what they thought would happen is that they went to this desolate place thinking, all right, they're done with people for a while, right? They're done. They want to just hang out with Jesus. They want to process. They want to tell them that they actually got to use the power that he gave them and things happened and it was amazing and they followed his instructions and when people rejected them, they just went on to the next town and the next people and the word of God was right then and there spreading, spreading all the way to Herod. There were many Herods, all bad, all threatened by Jesus. So how ironic, it's the disciples who spread the word about Jesus that gets Herod's attention in this chapter in Luke. So they just come back and, ah, they can finally just be with Jesus and look what happens. They go to hang out on a hilltop in a desolate place and all of a sudden, and you saw it in the video, they're kind of gathered, and all of a sudden, you see this huge, huge crowd, thousands of people. And Jesus is actually at the back end of the disciples. And what does he do? He just goes right through them, and he starts making his way down to the people. You can just almost feel it. You know what it's like to be a disciple. And you're like, come on, Jesus. This was our time. Where are you going? When Mark tells the story, it says that Jesus looked upon the crowd and he had compassion on them. And he goes to them. They were a large crowd. They were seeking him out because they still hadn't found what they were looking for and the other false messiahs. And they were excited about the miracles that they heard that Jesus could perform. And this was no small pack of fans, right? From all indications, it was like a stadium-sized group of people, lines of folks for as long as the eye could see, making their way to Jesus, thousands and thousands of hungry people, hungry for whatever Jesus would do next. Now look at those disciples. They see the crowd, but do they? And the crowd is tired and hungry 
And Jesus says, feed them. It wasn't like, hey, it'd be really great if we had some money and you guys could go down to the local market and buy food for over 5,000 people. He just looks at them and goes, feed them. Now remember, these are the guys that just did all these amazing things and cured people in his name, and now they're standing looking at Jesus going, what are you thinking? That's impossible. We don't have any money. And he just stands. Feed them. One of the disciples walks up and goes, well, from, I, I think all we got here is these loaves and fishes. I mean, and he just hands them to Jesus. And we see Jesus turn around and pray the most simple prayer. And all of a sudden, he sends the disciples out, right? And he tells them to gather the people in groups of 50. Why would he do that? Because he sent the disciples back out into the people that they tried to leave to be with him. Some of the people that no doubt followed them to get to Jesus. And Jesus turns around and goes, go back out. Put them into groups of 50. And then we know the story, right? Jesus performs a miracle and all are fed. And the disciples are astounded. Because they believed it was impossible and it became possible. The meager can be multiplied. How many times have we done that negative self-talk? I can't do that. I mean, I'm okay at it, but I'm not great at it. You know, so-and-so is better at that than I am. I, I only have like this much talent in that area, but that person has that much talent. What I have is meager and Jesus says, awesome. Because I'm in the business of multiplying the gifts that you have. We've heard the story so many times, it's tempting to just excuse it as a dangerously incomplete picture of Jesus. The temptation to see Jesus who can walk on water and heal the sick and raise the dead and apparently calm not only the sea but our stomachs. The same way that the crowd did. A Savior who simply just supplies all our needs and we'd like to think would make all our troubles disappear. They wanted a Messiah to overthrow the Roman kingdom they lived under, had been persecuted under. They had false expectations because what, when they looked at Jesus, they saw only the, the desires of their heart, not the larger kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom that Jesus came to invite us all into. Some years ago, I heard a funny story, probably from Rick Peters. He had like the best funny stories and sermons. And he claimed that he heard a story, and of course, it's not true. That somewhere in Dallas, there was this shopping center called the Husband Shopping Center for Women. The store had five floors, and the women would access each floor by the elevator, but when they first entered and were welcomed, they had to, you know, hear the news and to hear the rules. So the rules were clear. Once a woman opened the door to the floor, she had the option of choosing a husband from that floor or move up to the next floor. Women could go up to every floor, but... 
They couldn't go back. A couple of girlfriends went to the place, to the store, to find some husbands. On the first floor, the door had a sign on it. These men have jobs and love kids. The women read the sign and said, well, that's better than not having jobs or loving kids, but I wonder what's on the second floor. So up they went. On the second floor, the sign read, these men have high-paying jobs, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Mmm, said the women, but I wonder what's on the next floor. On the third floor, the sign said, these men have high-paying jobs, are extremely good-looking, love kids, and help with housework. Wow, said the women. Very tempting, but I wonder what's on the fourth floor. The fourth floor sign read this. These men have high-paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, help with housework, and have a strong romantic streak. Oh, mercy, said a woman. But just think what must be waiting for us on the fifth floor. So up they went. And the sign on that floor read this. This floor is empty and exists only to prove that women are impossible to please. <laughs> say that joke because I'm a woman. See how that works? <laughs> Expectations are so, are so dangerous, right? They get us into trouble. They take our feelings all over the place. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that we sometimes approach Jesus with this similar attitude of unhealthy expectation. Our lives are filled with all these cravings that we want and we devour the self-help book section at Barnes & Noble online now. We try the secrets to satisfaction in magazines and we're hoping that they provide healing for what we're hungry for. We shop at self-fulfillment, right? It's as if we walk through life holding a massive cart and we keep filling it with stuff that we think will satisfy us, but it doesn't. And we can't make Jesus just another thing to do. It's like munching on something to tide us over until the meal arrives because Jesus is the only one that can satisfy our true needs for meaning and purpose. Notice in the feeding of the 5,000, it's about what Jesus wants to do. In Luke, not one person there complains that they're hungry. There are no murmurs from the crowd. There's no anxiety among the crowd where their next meal is going to come from. This is not a people caught up in the mystery of the feeding. It's not like a bunch of baseball fans, right, waiting to see if the pitcher can pull off a no-hitter. There's not an announcer saying, will these 5,000 people really be fed by five loaves and two tiny fish? This story is less about the how in all about Jesus being who he said he is. Jesus does here what he consistently does in the Last Supper. It is Jesus who suggests the meal, give thanks for it, serves it, 
wants them to eat. And at the feeding of the 5,000, because he has now honored his guests, he supplies their needs, and even more, his provision far exceeds their needs and their expectations, because there's plenty left over. Isn't it interesting, the disciples that thought it was impossible to feed the crowd, there's 12 baskets, and you saw in the video, amazing what they thought was impossible, and each of them held a basket of their own with the leftovers. And what is it full of? The broken pieces, like us, still loved and worthy and fed by Jesus. Kingdom living is not a call to royalty, but to service, to discipleship. It's to know that God is moving and working in our lives each day. And it involves making a commitment in our world to what Jesus is and will always be. It means us, like those disciples, becoming healer and prophet, voice and heart, call and sign of the God who's designed for the world is justice and love. It requires loving others. And Jesus showed us this with his every word and deed. Kingdom living means working to make life better for others. It will mean stepping outside the lines of our comfort zone to grow more and more in his likeness, in our living, in our loving, in our thinking, in our giving, in our sharing, in our caring, in our homes, in our jobs, and in our schools, even in our church. If you look closely enough, you can even see the kingdom of God in action. As modern-day disciples of Jesus, we still have a long way to go before we can realize the kingdom of God. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will direct us in the ministry to the who and the what and the where. Jesus will keep us faithful and faith-filled, and he will provide for all our needs you see, in finding Jesus at whatever age you are, whatever stage in life you're in, we discover that Jesus has been there all along. Only in Jesus can we find what we're looking for, the bread of life, who will fill us with faith and hope and love. Enjoy, you too, sings our declaration of faith in Jesus. I believe in the kingdom come that all the colors will bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. For you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame, my shame. And you know, I believe it. Amen. It is time for us to receive our morning offering. Whether we're at home and it's on the screen or whether we're here, Please know that all those gifts that you bring, the gifts of your life and your labor, they go to the ministry and the outreach of this church. We trust God when we pray over the offering after it is received, that God will then take it like Jesus did with the fish and loaves and multiply it and sends it where it needs to go. So with a heart full of gratitude, let us receive our morning offering.
You may be seated. My friends, let us pray. God of all good gifts, we give you thanks for the ability to partner with you in the shoring up of your kingdom. We ask that you take these gifts we have given and use them as you see fit to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, house the homeless, to lift up the downcast and downtrodden. Thank you for multiplying our time, talents, and treasures in the same way you multiply the fishes and the loaves so that there may be more of an impact on your kingdom than we can ever do on our own. Some days, Lord God, we struggle to hear your voice that sings to us, telling us that you have climbed highest mountains and you have run through the fields only to be with us, yet you keep pursuing. You are the relationship we hunger for, yet we may not always recognize it. Help us, holy God, to slow down, turn around, and to face you in pursuit. Compassionate God, help us all to do our best to tend to the needs in front of us, to lean into your power to continue to serve when we are weary and our strength wanes. Remind us that nothing is impossible with you. Holy God, in these difficult days, we continue to give you thanks for all of our frontline workers and first responders and teachers. Bless them all, Lord, with your protection and your grace. God of Rosedale, we ask for your healing touch upon all those on our prayer list, those recovering from surgeries, those undergoing tests and procedures, those facing difficult diagnoses. And we praise your name for the joy of new life and ask for your blessings upon the Hughes family as they celebrate the life of Landon James. We thank you, Holy God, for the blessing Landon has already been to this world, even though he does not yet know it. And we give you thanks for the Briners, Futrals, Coingas, and Poes, our four families of the week, and pray in confidence that you are tending to all of their needs, whatever they may be. It is good and right for us to worship you this day, amazing God, for you are exactly who you have said you are. Help each of us each day to live lives to the best of your calling and to the best of your love. And remind us that you are exactly what we are looking for. We pray all of these things in the matchless, awesome, wondrous name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together as a family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
we invite you to join us in the Lenten benediction litany, which you will find printed in your bulletin. If you are worshiping online with us, your responses will be on the screen. The end is God's. The beginning is God's. The storm is God's. The peace is God's. The depths are God's. The heights are God's. The dark is God's. The light is God's. For all times, all things and all, all belong to God. Travel with God to the end from the beginning. Walk with the Lord of your salvation. Continue with God during the storm as well as the peace. Walk with the God of your deliverance. Journey with God through the depths and the heights. Walk with the Lord of your restoration. Tarry with God in the dark and the light. Walk with the Lord of your assurance. For all times, all things, and all, all belong to God. Amen.